Hello and welcome to Fantastic Beats. Three people, three tracks, we swap them and we talk about them. I'm Lizzie Maris. I'm Jack Tutor. And our guest this week is Tor Maris. Tor is a musician and a writer. Hi Tor, nice to have you with us. Hello. Hey. All right, so I'm going to kick it off. Uh, so my track is by Mary Clayton. Uh, not Mary, as we'll talk about later. And her track is uh, Gimme Shelter. Right, so this track it brews so the intro is like the oncoming storm there's a few things kicking off there's some keys and then some horns come in but you get only about 20 30 seconds of like grace time and then it kicks off majorly and this track is basically like every instrument is having an absolute party there is no sleeping part there's no there's nothing just chilling out everyone is in this for a three minute party and it's sort of you know really collaborative from the outset like the bass is walking the horns are stabbing and the guitars are wailing and it's just just, every instrument is dancing its way through this so I think you can't really talk about this track without talking about the context of it. So in 1969, Mary Clayton is the backing singer on the Rolling Stones version of Give Me Shelter. And that's quite well documented because there's a big old story behind it. That's quite well documented in um, a documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom, which I so recommend. I think, Jack, you've seen that as well. Yeah, it's bloody good. yeah and it's all about backing singers and that story of mary and how she came to be on that track in the middle of the night and with her hair in rollers is is a is really well documented so that's 1969 everyone knows that song by the rolling stones then a year later in 1970 mary does her own version and this is the version that i want to talk about because this is just a different level and you can really hear the difference and you you know you know that Mary was invited on to the Rolling Stones track to duet and she's very much the backing vocalist on it but this is her party she's no longer invited she is throwing the goddamn party (laughs) and it's her party and it's cooler and it's broader and it's louder and it's on her terms Mm. so I love it for that reason and it's just so funky and soulful and fun and you really really can't not listen to this track and feel at the end of it like woo like you need a shower like it's that kind of track um so and yeah and then and you know I think I just wanted to talk about this track because Mary has her own album she has her own work she'll probably always be known for that work she's done with Rolling Stones and I think she's on Sweet Home Alabama as well but um this track in its own right is just stunning and I like that it's her going actually I'm going to reclaim a bit of this track and this is how I do it Mm. Jack what do you think about it yeah so I should probably start by saying I don't really care for the Rolling Stones because they're there's (laughs) something quite brash about their flavor that's never really interested me but I do like the sort of onward drive of the original song. It's got this really simple, straight kind of locomotive beat that's going through it. And the guitars are just doing this chug, 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 chug. And and also Mick Jagger is pretty absent, actually, from the original, which is great because I find his kind of aggressive sexiness and all his like, mmm, and all that business, like, really off-putting a lot of the time. But um, what, do you, what, do you, what, what do you think that taps into? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> stuff that I'd rather not discuss uh, on a podcast right. going out in public but <laughs> I, I thought this version by Mary Clayton was was really cool I mean she takes it 
uh, down like quite far in terms of pitch. I mean, because obviously on the original, she's doing uh, these huge like distressful like whales, these kind of like f- distress flares like frying up over the top like really high and then on this version mm. she kind of brings the whole thing down a few keys which allows her to kind of like work the melody but from within her own vocal range which is really cool like she can really be so much more expressive with what is essentially like a really monotonous melody um as you say everything is freestyling and for me that felt a bit overkill to be honest like and the horns as well like just with the horns going crazy the bassist who's just sort of you know having an absolute field day just running up and down the fretboard i kind of felt like she was doing enough without everyone having a party i i could have just had everything kind of just settle down so that she could have the center stage I did like the choir though. The choir mm. just tucked in the background. It's almost like in mono, just right at the back. Mm. Really, really interesting way of doing the choir. That was really cool. But um, yeah, so it's. I, I, I say that when I listen to it on headphones, it feels overcrowded. When I listen to it in my car with the windows down, that felt like I enjoyed it so much more. So maybe it's just context that you're listening in. So, mm, Tor, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I really, I really, really liked it. Actually, I mean, I, I'm less threatened by Mick Jagger's sexiness. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> just um, I'm quite a fan of the original one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe just discuss that with someone later. But um, <laughs> I, I like the original, uh, and I really, really like this version. It, yeah, I see what you mean about the partiness of it. it. It's definitely like for me, the horns make it feel like a reprise almost. Like it's kind of like the reprise of the song. It's like the celebrate. You know, like the end. It's like the end number of the musical you know right. yeah. like yeah, the yeah. mary clayton musical is like come to a close and like uh it's the celebration of the the, the success of the song maybe um or ah. the fact that i sort of still saw it as like that especially when you sort of look into like you said this the sort of story behind her original collaboration and how that came about and how I remember I think I think I read something that she was uh, she was heavily pregnant and it was the middle of the night um, so that kind of maybe that aggression and those high pitched screams and it's like this definitely comes from a place of more sort of like Mary Clayton's just I, I could just called her Mary see and that you yeah. know because I think didn't she get called Mary so like, she was she was uh, a lot of a lot of the original versions of the recording she's miscredited as Mary uh, oh my gosh Mary Clayton <laughs> she, so she's completely miscredited which I just think says a lot about like her role on that yeah. and her coming into that world and her as a backing singer like they couldn't really even get a name right because um, I read I read as well that uh well she was backing vocalist for loads of artists in the 60s but mm. I read as well that apparently she did a lot of Elvis's stuff but again didn't get credited Mm -hmm. so she's on like a lot of Elvis's recordings and bits and pieces but I mean you know like that that is it's a different discussion in some respects but (laughs) it's it's difficult when we've pronounced her name wrong three times already she's not even a backing vocalist on this track really is she I think she's like the main vocalist it's her track yeah 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 but no, it's a it's a great track, and I really uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I know what you mean about it being each sort of individual part is uh, sort of at the top end of it of where it should be. Um, but yeah, I think you're <laughs> right about context. <laughs> yeah. In terms of um, where you listen to, I mean, I listened to it at night, sort of in headphones, and it felt a bit overwhelming. But then I listened to it on a run, yeah. and I was like, "Come on, then." Yeah. You know, different yeah. different feeling. More horns. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, what about the guitar solos? I, I've actually got on my strong. notes here, corny, <laughs> but actually when I think back to them, I like them. Yeah, I mean, they're strong. Every, every, everything's strong. Everything is off the chain strong. Which, you said something interesting, Jack, about the context of that and her maybe not wanting to put her vocals forward because maybe at the time that's just not where she was. And maybe if she was like, look, if I'm going to do this everything is going to have a, a good role in it. We don't know, do we? Yeah. But maybe that was a kind of um, diplomatic move on her part. I, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. Do you want to talk about your track? Yeah, let's go for it. So um, I went for a band called Unknown Mortal Orchestra. They're a Portland, Oregon-based band, um, but they're originally from New Zealand. They get called Psychedelic Rock, and they're primarily composed of singer, guitarist, and the songwriter Ruben Nielsen, and their bassist Jake Portrait. I think mm. it's Portrait. It could be Portrait. We'll go Portrait. Um <laughs> The song that is uh, Necessary Evil, and um, in the comments section, actually, on the YouTube video that I found, Purple Lizard 23 described it as, <laughs> I can't tell if this song is pro-drugs or anti-drugs, which I think is a good place to start. Um, <laughs> it's got, uh, I mean, they are, psychedel- they are psychedelia, um, whatever sort of that means to you, but I think... Uh, it definitely makes sense to say that word in in sort of uh, link with this track. Yeah, I don't know. I love the sort of Beatles esque production. Like kind of like if uh, Sergeant Pepper was going to be remade, maybe this would be on it. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like it has a kind of Paul McCartney esque vibe to it. The way that he sort of delivers his kind of whimsical melodies. I feel like there's there's a little bit of, of that going on, and the chord changes. Again, really interesting, simple but effective chord changes. And definitely their bassist. Their bassist seems to just... I mean, all their tracks, I think, are bass-driven. Without the bass, they'd sort of be a little bit lost. But, um, Mm. yeah, the the bass sort of elevates this and it's got that kind of funkiness and the lo-fi-ness of the vocals as well and this lo-fi sort of midi trumpet line that comes in yeah um yeah yeah and i i I love how that sort of just sits on top and then that sort of haunting hammond as well that sort of uh kicks off the original sort of melody um i like how it sort of breaks out as well um uh i think the tambourine does a lot for it when the tambourine comes in (laughs) i don't know for some reason that tambourine is the standout tambourine for me once that comes in once that comes in i'm like yeah yeah see where see where this is going now (laughs) um um, yeah i mean what what do you guys think hand it over jack let's you couldn't handle the party uh from merry can you handle this party yeah just about this one's more my tempo (laughs) this guy sounds like he's probably in bed by nine because he's too stoned but uh, this was a, like a real <laughs> slinky snake of a song, I thought. It's, it's interesting because the drums are playing such a simple rhythm and yet the, the, the guitars and the voice are doing this thing where they sort of almost lose pace 
with the drums and then they regain it uh, and then the voice is kind of almost mimicking the guitar or vice versa and then they kind of slip out of reach of each other and then they like come back into alignment I mean the chorus is pretty immediate but the verses are definitely this kind of weaving and chicaning kind of thing which I thought was really cool everything's in sort of like a tango with each other I really like that and actually lyrically uh, it seemed I tried to kind of look deeper into the lyrics it seems to me to be about people who are kind of in love but know that it's sort of bad for them so this sort of well interestingly again found this on a weird page don't ask where but uh, the lead singer Ruben, he apparently he was married to his wife, yeah. clearly. But uh, they sort of had like a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I, I sort of read that. a bit about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, and they got a few tracks there because they this song is actually off the album called Multi Love, and there's a song called Multi Love which kind of discusses all the ins oh. and quite literally discusses the ins and outs of that. They, they've got quite an interesting background. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, so, uh... that's that definitely puts it in context. Cause I feel like that the way that the music is structured and the way the rhythms are structured and the way there's this kind of like push-pull, I think, is a sort of heart versus mind thing, which maybe relates to that sort of emotional lure to, to be in love. But then thinking about it practically and thinking, this relationship isn't great for me, seems to be the, the message. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, did you guys watch the video as well? Like the music video that sort no. of went along with it? No, I didn't. I think I did, yeah. What were we saying? It's got a very very much sort of a um, don't hug me, I'm scared vibe to it. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's something I think definitely quite eerie about it. I mean, the Hammond is certainly, as you said, like quite a haunted presence on it. I thought it was that the fade out was cool because the fade, everything fades out apart from the drums. But then that kind of fades out slowly. But you you end up at that sort of you you're reduced to that really simple rhythm, which is just like chundering its way through. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. And as soon as I finished listening to it, I wanted to listen to it again because I was like, I haven't yeah, processed everything. I here. did. Yeah. What do you it's think? It's a slow it's a slow burner, isn't it? Like yeah. you uh, you you kind of think, oh, that was kind of cool. And then later on in the day, you're like, I'd like to hear that again. Yeah, mm. I'm singing the chorus all mm. of a sudden. Yeah. Mm. Lizzie, what do you reckon? So, yeah, I really liked it. I didn't know this band at all. So this has been a really nice introduction. I really was kind of stuck on the vocals quite a lot. I was absolutely convinced it was the guy from Hot Chip oh, for quite yeah. a long time. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does sound a bit actually maybe similar sort of recording techniques, I reckon. Yeah, because I was like looking it up like it's got to be him. It's got to be him. It's I'm pretty sure it's not. It's not, no, it's is not. it? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, I love the vocals. They've they've got a melancholy stoner, dragging your feet a little bit vibe to it, but you can also feel the light in it as well. Yeah. Like it knows it's a funky track. It knows it's, yeah. an, it's an upbeat, up-tempo track. Um, yeah, I loved it. I really noted the organ as well. That is a sweet Hammond in that. Mm. I really liked the chorus as well and the kind of chopped up flow to it. So it sort of goes up the scale and bit back down the scale. And the first time you hear it you think well it feels a bit jarring and then you are absolutely grooving along to it um, and w- when the chorus finishes there's sort of these smooth horns that I feel like affirm what he's just said yeah they're like better better yes I that, agree nice. with what you said yeah 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 <laughs> I like those horns um yeah, I think it's a real shoulder shaker. I had the headphones on and I was just like like shaking my shoulders into my laptop. It was it yeah, it's a really really nice Careful. track and <laughs> well, we know you can't handle the party so it's not, not for you. Um 
I would like to hear more from this band. I think is when do you know when this track came out? Is that yeah? So this is this is off their album Multi Love, which actually came out in 2015. So I don't know how I managed to miss it up until now because I I am literally obsessed with this band now. Like if you listen to any of their stuff, you will not be disappointed. Like they're so versatile. Like I can't tell you the 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 sort of difference between this and a track such as Multi Love or. Um, they've got one called um, So Good at Being in Trouble which again is like a completely different completely different style I mean very very sort of stylish so that mm. that, that same kind of style vocally mm. um, that kind of lo-fi almost kind of like I said I, I, for me I, I, I see what you're saying about the hot chip guy actually but for me I very much see it as like you know the way that Paul McCartney delivers his lines. Yeah, I, I feel like he's got a real Paul McCartney kind of quite thing clear going on. but dry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just just that kind of whimsical melody, but it's very guided and it, it's stylish and it knows where it's going. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't find uh, any sort of recent tour dates or anything. Actually, they've got a new album out right now called um, I think it's called Food and Sex or Sex and Food, which is again, it's a great album. Um, mm. And I think they're at Coachella this year. Ah, um, so they're still around. They're still yeah. Like... Oh god, yeah. They've got a big presence at the moment. I reckon their stuff at Coachella will get them a lot more recognition and sort of pedal them a bit further now. Uh, Ooh, we yeah. shall see. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's documented. Thanks, Tor. That's a that's a great track. I think there's consensus there. That's a great yeah. track. Jack, do you want to talk about yours? Yes. So mine is a track by My Bloody Valentine called Blown A Wish. And this is a track from probably one of the biggest shoegaze albums of all time uh, called Loveless. So shoegaze is a genre of rock music which takes away a lot of what makes rock rock. So the rhythm is very cut back. Uh, The riffs, instead of being quite angular and clear, are very smushed and uh, kind of watery and fluid. Uh, The vocals, uh, whereas rock tends to be, in a traditional sense, quite masculine. There's a lot of gender fluidity within shoegaze. Um, So it kind of kicked off in the late 80s, early 90s. And this album Loveless came out by My Bloody Valentine in 1991. And it's, I mean, it's just ginormous. If people talk about shoegaze, invariably they say My Bloody Valentine in the next breath. So this track's called Blown A Wish. And I've loved the whole record for like 12 years now. And this is a track that's really been a slow burn on me. It's one of the ones that comes later in the record. And I've just been listening to it again recently. I've been like, bloody hell, this is a good one. But it's just tucked away at the back there. And it is definitely like one of the less immediate ones of the lot. I mean, like all of the tracks on the record, you've got this guitar, which is sort of blurring in and out of tune. It's kind of melting into the vocals as well. Uh, And then you've got this beat, which is kind of danceable, but it's just too quiet and not bassy enough to kind of give a foothold to make you 
be able to dance to it but it's also like a, quite a brittle framework that's holding the whole song together so there's almost this sense that you know the drums could give way at any moment and the whole thing could just like spill out into noise which is always kind of a threat with my bloody valentine and actually if you see him live it's actually something that does come true sometimes it just does just become this gigantic <laughs> like wall of noise which is great i'm into it but yeah no so so with this one there's like this really strange pools of guitar on either side uh, you've got belinda butcher's voice in the middle which sometimes sort of the edges melt and you're not sure what's guitar and what's voice i mean kevin shields as well is 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 the guitarist he's generally seen in a lot of you know alternate circles to be one of the great guitarists of all time i mean not necessarily as a player but as someone who sculpts tone using pedals and effects and bends the guitar in these really contorted and strange shapes I mean, for me, you you can see why My Bloody Valentine get featured in the soundtrack to Lost in Translation, the film which was set in Mm. Tokyo about people feeling very displaced. I mean, they're a band that have all the vibrancy and like colours of Tokyo, but also that sense of being very far from home and, and, and kind of confused and a bit dizzy, really. I love the guitar that kind of pulses at the center. As I've been listening to this more recently on headphones, like there's a guitar in there that I'd never heard before, which has this like tremolo effect on it. And it's kind of like pulsing away. I just think it's beautiful. I think the melodies, again, seems to be a theme here, but quite sad, but also quite romantic, a little bit triumphant and uplifted. It's kind of a strange Melder stuff, which is very much a shoegaze trope as well. So yeah, Uh, Tor, what do you reckon? I really, really like this. Again, from the YouTube comment section, Roy underscore four underscore real. He described it as, I feel like this song is about being married and staying together for no reason. Okay. Well, Roy's got a lot to talk about, just as I have (laughs) with Mick Jagger, I I think. I just thought I'd sort of put that out there. I hope hope you're all right, Roy. Um, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, I've got the feeling distinctly that he wasn't, but... um, Best place um, to air those uh, troubles, I think, the comments section of a My Bloody Valentine video, maybe. And honestly, that's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so from there. Um, yeah, I really like this, actually. Um, it really reminds you of like Cocteau Twins. Yep, yep, um, absolutely. Thought of a Cocteau Twins uh, straight away, sort of the way that everything is those sort of echoey layered riffs that sort of melt into each other mm-hmm. kind of made me feel like uh it's a bit eno-esque isn't it in places definitely the way that it's uh sort of i recently saw a documentary of when eno was making um bowie's stuff uh, i think it was uh on the heroes track where they sort of break down the recording process of it and the way that they layered stuff it just really reminded me of that um, yeah. And yeah, uh, a bit Swedish in places as well. You okay, know, like yeah. Swede. But yeah, no, I like it. Um, what did I write? I, initially, I wrote like an echo of the song they were going to write. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I totally it. agree with that. Yeah. So that, I think that's, that's where I initially sort of went to. But um, yeah, the tremolo techniques and the tuning systems, that, that that's interesting. Because I read a bit up about that. And um, it's interesting because he pioneered something called glide guitar that's right yeah 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 which i didn't know about um because it, it was saying like oh people were saying it's like hundreds of guitars but it was like less guitar tracks than most people's like demos had and stuff so yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just the way that he sort of strummed and 
uh, would waver his guitar with his tremolo bar yeah. rather than actually sort of um, layering it up with flanges and chorus pedals and stuff. So which I thought it was really interesting because you initially think, God, that's been tampered with. <laughs> and actually, like, it's really not. It's just the way you sort of styled it, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it, it was great. Uh, shoegazing is something that I'm not um, massively familiar with. I know you're well into it and all the rest Love of it. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because it's kind of coming on a bit of a revival at the moment. And I think when it came out in the 90s, it was right before kind of Britpop and grunge came in and rock became rock again. And I, I think it was this sort of pocket of alienation. And I don't know, maybe people in the wake of dissatisfaction with government or their lives or whatever, just kind of finding this means of escape. And it kind of came back in around 2007, 2008, when shit started to go downhill again, <laughs> you know, over <laughs> in the UK. So I don't know whether there's something with that where Shoegate sort of is in a bit of a is ballet it? with our disaffection with the world. I don't know. That's quite interesting. Because, I, I mean, as well, do you know, like, the band Electric Youth? Like, um, yeah, they did the uh, Drive soundtrack. They've got that song Real Hero. Right. Oh, yeah. And it really reminded me of, the, like, the way that that layers, that like you were saying about you can't tell what's guitar and you can't tell what's vocal. Yeah. Uh, I, it kind of reminded me of that. And that, like, that that is really provocative of that kind of renaissance that it's coming around again and that people sort of love getting lost in a track now rather than sort of distinctive melodies That's you're it. probably right you're probably right about it being some kind of weird um, emotional relationship with the world around you and you just need it to be you need it to be complicated maybe yeah, i don't know <laughs> absolutely yeah what, what do you reckon lizzie uh, oh so big fan yeah yeah <laughs> so i wrote down relentless shoegaze so <laughs> well that's fair enough yeah i like my bloody valentine i do do you know what though thinking back to this track and i think it is perhaps because it's sitting on the shelf um uh, alongside two very funky um upbeat tracks maybe it's the context of this one that just made me look back and go i just didn't really love it that much they it starts straight away very very thick everything's there thick vocals everything's there and yeah i get that it's kind of dreamy and hazy and i, I always like to look at the lyrics or think about the lyrics a bit and obviously you, you try you can't you can't try and pick out the lyrics in this because it's just not made that way um and i get that it's like a dreamy illusion to words and feelings rather than like this is the story of this song yeah don't know roy, roy for real would disagree with you he does He's, he found a lot of meaning in <laughs> it and i hope he found a lot of meaning in himself and his marriage as well um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> um but so yeah and i get what you're both saying about it. it's like a, i really like to your comment about like it's the song what did you say it was the song I, that, I put like an echo of the song they were gonna write <laughs> yeah and i wrote down this song feels to me like it's in theory yeah. so it's yeah, kind of yeah. floating yeah. above itself which do you know what for a few tracks i feel is nice to have that sense of detachment but then it kind of irritates me a bit and i feel like let's have less of the wishy-wash but um, I, I i disagree with that because i i think the tension in there is the fact that there's wishy-wash but there is something material pushing through there's like there is a physicality in there but it's just slightly obscured no but i don't think it, it never pushes through there does it having listened to a bit of their other stuff it never what? gets there i don't i disagree <laughs> with that but <laughs> 
but but you know but then overall i think it does sit if, if you're kind of placing it in this kind of floaty place above everything it sits in a positive happy place and i think the track does feel aspirational so it, it feels nice but I, I think after a couple of these and i'm like yeah something else now something a bit more that i can hold on to it's a nice enough track mm. all right okay fair enough I think right. maybe disorganized people might get more on board of it <laughs> that's probably very true actually maybe it is just not fucking solid enough for me <laughs> well you know it's a shame you don't like it and maybe this is how roy's woes started when his wife said she didn't like my bloody valentine but yeah yeah X. i think and his response to that was i feel like this is about being married and staying together for no reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks very much i think you've you've converted to to fans there definitely to unknown mortal orchestra they were really cool yeah talk what you're working on at the moment what you got on the go so i'm doing creative writing at um arts university bournemouth so i'm doing a script i'm writing bits and pieces musically um sort of fluttering in around different uh projects and different uh bits and pieces so yeah just uh trying to instigate a creative presence Oh, you're the my bloody Valentine of writers, just fluttering around, <laughs> just fluttering around. <laughs> oh, no, no, that that sounds good. We'll try and have you back on again and you can update us on that. Uh, and Jack, if people are interested in us and the podcast, where can they find out more? Sure. They can go to fantasticbeatspodcast.com. That's our official website where you can also listen to our episodes as well. We're on Twitter at fantastic underscore pod. Uh, you can send us an email as well if you'd like to give us some thoughts on the show or maybe put forward your case for appearing on the show and sharing some music with us. And that's at hello at fantasticbeatspodcast.com. Great. This has been good, Tor. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cool. And we'll see you all in a few weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.